The spectacle of COP26 continues, but how can anybody take these climate hypocrites seriously? I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. It is great to have you with us today. So the spectacle over in Scotland continues with COP26, where we see blowhard politicians gathering from all over the world, congratulating themselves for caring so much about the planet, pontificating about all the various schemes and ideas they have to tax the economy, to tax the citizens of the world. Justin Trudeau's latest uh, idea is that he wants a global carbon tax. So he wants to impose a carbon tax on poverty-stricken individuals in the world's poorest countries. He wants people in developing countries and poor countries to take their hard-earned money and give it over to corrupt government officials, in many cases, very corrupt communist government officials. And what, that's somehow going to change the planet? That's going to change the fate of the planet? That's going to change the future weather of the planet? I mean, the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. It is so absurd. And yet here we have the situation where not only are we paying for all of these entitled, arrogant politicians to go and have a, basically a two-week party where they all feel so good about themselves, where they are able to virtue signal, where they are able to feel so powerful and so important uh, that they're that they're going to change the fate of the planet. They're going to save the planet, these people. And meanwhile, they're all flying in, you know, in the, in the day and age where you can go to a meeting on Zoom. Oh, many people still work from home. Many people still telecommute. You can get onto your computer, go to a conference on Zoom. Justin Trudeau was able to do that throughout the entire pandemic. And yet somehow now he has to jump on a plane uh, in order to save the planet because the thing that's going to save the planet is a bunch of uh, world leaders and business executives flying on airplanes. So we saw, we saw the story that there are 30,000 officials at this conference in Scotland, 30,000. And, and that's just the officials, right? There are also journalists from all the countries from all over the world going to attend this thing. So we're, we're talking about thousands and thousands of airplanes. Uh, we saw that report that there were 400 private jets carrying business leaders and politicians to this thing. So, so all of these people who are sitting around pushing doomsday scenarios about how the world's going to end, how it's all over, and it's all because of carbon. It's all because of things like airplanes and the amount of um, carbon that's released in the atmosphere. And the only way to save it, folks, the only way to stop this doom scenario uh, of our planet is for these entitled politicians to jump on their planes, to jump on their private jets and fly to Scotland. And somehow that's going to make everything okay. That's going to make it all better. And, and, and how are we supposed to take these people seriously? Like, like if you actually believe the rhetoric that these politicians uh, put out, and, and it's not just liberals like Justin Trudeau. We saw conservative UK leader Boris Johnson say the same nonsense, that it's a doomsday scenario. We saw the UN uh, Secretary General saying that humans are are digging their own graves. Well, well, if you actually believe that the world has, what, like five years left and then it's going to be uh, a fiery apocalypse, um, if, if you actually believe that kind of rhetoric, do you know what the last thing you would do? The last thing you would do if you actually believe that is jump on a private jet and fly to Scotland. If you were actually concerned about the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere, if you were so paranoid and you believe that we had such little time to act, the last thing you would do is organize a conference where you asked tens of thousands of people, probably 50,000 people, maybe 40,000 people to come to Scotland uh, to sit around 
and go to meetings and do things that you could easily do in this day and age on your computer. So, so, so just the whole basis of this thing is a total scam. It's total nonsense. And to hear politicians come up with these schemes, again, it's all just designed to make themselves feel better, designed to impress the small portion of the population that really cares about this issue. And the, the whole thing's nonsense. You should not listen to these politicians. You should not give them the uh, satisfaction of thinking that they're doing anything good so the whole thing just shouldn't be taken seriously. Uh, these these politicians deserve us to mock them, to make fun of them, uh, to point out their hypocrisy and how absurd it is. Uh, but no, these are not the moral leaders of the planet. These are not the people who are going to change the fate of the planet. If if their doomsday scenarios uh, turn out to be true, and by the way, they're not, they're very exaggerated, and we're going to get into this later in the show, uh, there's a long history of, of humans doing this, of humans believing um, that we're destroying the planet, that we only have a short period to act. Uh, in the, in, the, in the course of the last 50 years, there's been so many different types of doomsday scenarios, uh, be it famine, uh, be it global cooling, heading into an ice age, now global warming. Uh, humans always come up with these sort of doomsday scenarios. There's always a segment of the population um, that really believes that some something that we're doing is, is going to just end civilization, that, that we're all going to die because of it, and that we have to change course. And then, and then the, the beautiful thing is that when there are actual problems with regards to uh, you know, pollution or the, the threat of starvation, the, the booming population, uh, human innovation sort of kicks in and we get these amazing developments in, in terms of scientific breakthroughs, um, you know, entrepreneurial opportunities. People like, like I talked about this the other day with my uh, colleague, uh, Anthony Fury, that I have a lot more faith in someone like Elon Musk to solve a, a very complex problem um, than I do in someone like Justin Trudeau who, you know, he's an empty suit. He just says whatever he needs to say. And, and he doesn't actually know how to effectuate his promises. So he, so he wants to be the climate guy. He wants to be the leader of this. And yet when you look at Canada's own record on emissions under his watch, uh, we, we, we fail. We, we don't meet any of his self-imposed targets despite his heavy-handed government policy. So, so Justin Trudeau is a very ineffectual uh, person in this space. Someone like Elon Musk, to the contrary, is someone who is very effective. So I have more faith in the sort of entrepreneurial uh, private sector type people um, than I do in any of these government officials. But first, if you enjoy The Candace Malcolm Show, if you like what we're doing here at True North, if you want to support independent media and you want to support our efforts here at True North, uh, please head on over to tnc.news slash donate where you can make a donation. If you're watching this video on YouTube right now, don't forget to like the video, leave us a comment, subscribe to True North. It really helps us out. And also hit that little red notification bell so that you never miss an episode. If you're watching on Facebook, please don't forget to like this video, share it with your friends, leave us a comment, let us know what you think of the Candace Malcolm Show, what you think of COP26 and all of these politicians out there virtue signaling to their heart's content. And finally, if you're listening to this show in podcast form over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you enjoy the Candace Malcolm Show, please, please consider leaving us a five-star review and don't forget to subscribe to the Candace Malcolm Show. All right, the insanity. The insanity of COP26 continues. There's a story over in Black Ops, absolutely insane. I don't know how anyone takes these people seriously. Canadian government sends 276 delegates, 276 delegates plus 17 press aides to COP26. So for some reason, Canada needs to send 293 people, 293 people to go to this conference. Why on earth would it take 293 Canadians? And, 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 and let me just tell you, 
I'm sure they didn't all fly together. I'm sure it wasn't just one chartered airplane with 293 Canadians on board, well, plus obviously the flight attendants and the pilots. I'm sure there wasn't just one plane. My, my, my guess is that there was at least half a dozen or a dozen planes uh, carrying these delegates that went across the Atlantic over to Scotland to save the planet from global warming. It is just such an absolute joke. So the, uh, according to Blacklocks, the Department of the Environment yesterday would not detail the cost of sending Canada's 276 member delegation to the climate change conference. And, and really that should say 293 because 276 delegates plus 17 press aides. So it takes 17 uh, press secretaries and PR flacks uh, plus 276 delegates to attend a conference so that they can all virtue signal and show off their climate credentials. What a joke. What an absolute joke. So, so basically, we had the environment minister, deputy environment minister, assistant deputy minister, the climate change ambassador, the climate change director, and 25 advisors and negotiators within the Department of the Environment. Plus, they sent a whole bunch of provincial environment people. So, so you had you had officials from the provincial governments, officials from the federal government, plus the prime minister himself, the prime minister's official photographer, the prime minister's official videographer, the prime minister's lead speechwriter, and 17 press secretaries and communication directors, plus four CBC reporters, the entire Green Party caucus, and a bunch of, basically anybody. If, if you were in Ottawa, you wanted to go to this conference, they basically just had a bus there saying, any, any, anyone who wants to come to Glasgow, anyone who wants to come to Scotland to be part of this climate change thing, jump on board. We're going, guys. We're going. The whole, the whole, the whole city of Ottawa is in Scotland right now. It is just so silly, so silly. This is this huge number, of course. This, is, this shouldn't be surprising. Canada sent the most delegates to COP26 out of all the G7 nations. What, what way to go? What leadership? We we in Canada, we know how to waste money uh, better than anyone else. We know how to virtue signal and be total hypocrites by flying people to a climate change conference. Canada, we're number one. We're number one, guys. So so Canada had their 276 delegates plus 17 press secretaries. So that should say 293. Meanwhile, in the UK, they sent the second highest number of delegates, 227. They didn't have to fly, I assume. Well, some of them probably did, but others could just probably take a train. Uh, and they only managed to muster up 227 people. Wow, uh, we put them to shame. All right, the UK was followed by Japan, who sent 225. France sent 195. The US came in fifth with 133. Meanwhile, Germany only sent a mere, a measly 120 delegates and Italy 66. Wow, well, Canada, we sure showed them. We care the most about climate change. Uh, there, there was this story as well. Catherine McKinnis there. She's showing off on her Twitter, showing everyone how, how important she is. She's still boozing and schmoozing with the uh, officials over at COP26. Uh, so according to Blacklocks again, former Environment Minister Catherine McKinnis attended as a VIP. Guys, she's very important. That's why she's there, because she's a very important person. The department did not reply when asked if she traveled at taxpayers' expense. So the question is, did did taxpayers pay for Catherine McKenna? I'm going to guess that we did. I'm going to guess that we did. So McKenna is not on the official delegate list, but she's at the conference attending meetings. Multiple tweets from Catherine McKenna at COP26 uh, were shown. Here's a couple. She says, great event to recognize Mike Bloomberg's new initiative to accelerate coal phase out in 35 countries. Canada and Stephen Gilbo, who's the environment minister, were recognized as key partners with $1 billion in support to developing countries. 
So, oh yeah, so this is also a key part of the global uh, climate change conference is we just splash money all over the place. It's like Justin Trudeau's this big spender. There he is, a billion for you, a billion for you, just throwing out all of the taxpayers' money like it means nothing, like it grows on trees. So Catherine McKenna, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if these tweets are sending are being sent out late at night, but she says this, there's nothing like girlfriends, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So she's having a good time over there. Um, and none are better than these people who are all her buddies, an amazing example of women leading on climate. Another one saying, loving today's mask, feminist climate justice, women leading on climate change. Way to go, Catherine McKenna, you are saving the world. But again, no, nobody really knows why Catherine McGinn is there. Nobody really knows what she does for a living now. Even in a recent interview with Global News, she doesn't indicate exactly what her role is other than she is just there to unveil a new climate initiative. So she's just kind of like a cheerleader, kind of just like, you know, there for moral support, uh, there to just, you know, shine shine her star, show off her celebrity uh, in this space, and just there to be part of it all and uh, to, to, to really uh, save the planet um, because, because of carbon. So in this political report, it says McKenna is not part of the Canadian delegation, but if that's the case, why wouldn't the government just acknowledge that? Because they were asked directly by Blacklocks, they wouldn't acknowledge it, uh, but apparently in this Politico report, they did. So kind of poorly handled there by the government, but really what more do you expect? They're just so distracted by the opportunity to save the planet and to fight back on carbon. So we could forgive them for that. So Catherine McKenna's record as a minister in the Trudeau government was mixed. Of course, she was praised and adored by the liberal media. They loved her and the Trudeau sort of liberal circle. She was lauded as, as a star. Uh, as, as far as, again, her actual uh, record, well, taxpayers paid $42,000 for her climate change farewell tour. She jet set 22,000 kilometers uh, doing various events, according to Blacklocks again. McKenna's plane guzzled tens of thousands of liters of aviation fuel as she was telling Canadians to change their habits to combat climate change. Again, nothing convinces the public that they've got to stop their reliance on fossil fuels, quite like politicians flying all over the place in their private jets, um, guzzling up their own fossil fuels, and then telling us that we have to stop. Not, not, nothing, nothing quite so effective as that. Uh, here's another one. Catherine McKenna racked up over $100,000 in taxi fares while she was environment minister. So despite having her own driver, ministers in the government, ministers in Ottawa, they all have their own drivers, their own cars uh, that pick them up and take them all over the place. Regardless, records show that the Ministry of the Environment spent over $143,000 on taxis, and most of that was accrued with McKenna as the minister. Next, Catherine McKenna's ministry claims that they have no record of her mileage. So this one comes from a Rebel News investigative exclusive about McKenna's vehicle use, which found that she was using a Subaru Crosstrek for the first two years as the environment minister before switching out the SUV for a taxpayer-funded Prius. Uh, during that time, she was crafting a carbon tax on SUVs. Meanwhile, she was driving around in her own SUV. Next, this one comes to you from TNC.news from True North. Catherine McKenna promises to do a better job following a scathing Auditor General report. This is when she was the Infrastructure Minister, and she promised more accountability after the Auditor General found her department continuously failed to meet its own 
goals. Speaking to the House of Commons Transport Committee, McKenna said that the department needs to do a better job. And finally, who could forget this? This when I, when I think of Catherine McKenna's time in office, I think of the climate alarmism that she promoted. I think of her complaining a lot to the media, saying that she was treated unfairly um, online. Of course, um, the media picked right up on that and made her seem like some kind of a victim um, and, and treated her like she had somehow been wronged. Um, meanwhile, you know, the internet is a pretty nasty place uh, for, for women and particularly for conservative women. I never see those sympathetic stories, though, uh, about conservative women. It, it only somehow happens when it's liberal politicians or left-wing politicians who are being targeted. Uh, but this viral video is, sort of says it all. This is, this is what we think of when we think of Catherine McKenna. Here she is at a bar in Newfoundland telling us what she really thinks and her real strategy uh, when it comes to politics. But you know, I actually gave them some real advice. I said that if you actually say it louder, we've learned in the House of Commons, if you repeat it, if you say it louder, if that is your talking point, people will totally believe it, so just go in. All right, so we have Catherine McKinn out there. For some reason, we have no idea why. We have almost 300 Canadian delegates plus another, what, a couple dozen Canadian journalists that flew over there. What is it all for? What have we actually accomplished at COP26 so far? Well, we had Justin Trudeau double down on an oil and gas emissions cap. Justin Trudeau, as I mentioned, called for a global carbon tax because really what we want is money coming out of the hands of hardworking business people and entrepreneurs around the world, uh, particularly in developing countries, and go into the hands of often corrupt, often uh, communist, often horrific uh, human rights abusing governments. Uh, that's going to solve climate change. Okay, Justin Trudeau. Uh, Justin Trudeau's first real gaffe has come out here. He is telling people at the conference that his carbon tax has the support of the vast majority of Canadians. The vast majority, he says. And, and why does he say that it has the vast majority uh, support? Well, because he's the prime minister, because he's won the elections. Therefore, it means that the vast majority of Canadians must agree with carbon tax. Here's that clip. And yes, it was challenged uh, by our political opponents. We had to fight all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, but uh, we uh, had, the, uh, had the right ruling that allows us to keep it in place. Uh, we won that battle. And we also, more importantly for politicians worried about uh, bringing in a price on pollution, saw two elections give a very clear consensus by the vast majority of Canadians that carbon pricing and putting a price on pollution is the right path forward. We won both of those elections and that signal as well is something that people around the world should know. Uh, l l let me just uh, do a bit of math for the Prime Minister. Let me just remind the Prime Minister of the math in this situation. So Liberal leader Justin Trudeau in the last two elections received the lowest share of the vote in Canadian history. He is the least popular Canadian government ever elected in Canada. In this recent election, 2021, Trudeau got a mere 32% of the vote, 32% of the vote, which means that 67.8% of Canadians who voted in this election did not vote for him. So for some context or comparison, back in 2006, um, Stephen Harper was elected and he won one of the slimmest majorities in Canadian history. But even at that point, he received 36% of the vote. He received 36% of the vote. Recall back in 2006, a lot of people were saying that Harper was illegitimate, that he hadn't actually won the election because he only got 36% of the vote. Um, meanwhile, here we have Justin Trudeau with 
32% of the vote, and yet Claim City has a clear consensus from the vast majority of Canadians. So Justin Trudeau only got 32%. Remember that voter turnout was quite low in the last election, it was only 62%. So, so really, Justin Trudeau got 32% of the 62%, something like 19%. 19% of adult Canadians who are eligible to vote voted for Justin Trudeau, and somehow that means that he has a clear consensus from the vast majority of Canadians. I don't think that the Prime Minister knows how math works, I'll just leave it at that. Now, as is the case with all of these climate change conferences, every time we have one, there is just so much hypocrisy. So let's go through some of the climate hypocrisy over at COP26. Glasgow locals, attendees have been complaining about delegates leaving their cars idling. So this one came from True North. Locals in Glasgow, Scotland are slamming COP26 delegates for leaving their cars idling around conference locations. So according to Yahoo News, locals have noted that there's just a lot of engines running. So these world leaders are just so busy and important, they have to have their drivers sitting in their cars. The cars have to be idling just in case the important, busy, important politician needs to run to his car and get to the next meeting. So here, here we have the people saving the world, just sitting around, running their engines, letting their engines idle. We've seen that at many other climate conferences. This one's sort of new though. So they have a cruise ship at COP26. It was supposed to be an environmentally friendly cruise ship carrying thousands of COP26 attendees. So the idea was that they just didn't have enough space in all of the hotels. So they got this cruise ship. It was supposed to be a green environmentally friendly cruise ship. Well, it turns out that's not the case. It turns out it is a gas guzzling, fuel guzzling cruise ship. So according to the Independent, the ship is equipped with shore power systems which allow the boat to charge up on electricity when docked. Despite the feature, a majority of UK ports do not have onshore power stations for medium to large vessels, and so this one is running on gas. So as I mentioned before, there were 400 private jets that flew in. There's approximately 30,000 global leaders, global officials that have come to Scotland from all over the world on their, on their private planes, on their planes. Uh, an analysis by the Sunday Mail in the UK estimated that the event will produce over 13,000 tons of CO2 pollution. And according to the outlet, The Daily Record, that amount of emissions, that 13,000 tons of CO2 pollution, is the amount of CO2 that 1,600 Scots put out in a single year. But again, nothing says that I care about the environment, that I want to save the fate of humanity, that I want to save the planet. Nothing says that I care more than flying your private plane to Scotland uh, to go to a meeting to impose heavy-handed restrictions, to impose carbon taxes, to spend taxpayer money on silly initiatives that will never actually change the climate or change the weather of the planet. But again, this is how the liberal mind works. This is what they believe they have to do in order to save the planet. Uh, don't let them believe that. Don't let them get away with this. This is just pure, total hypocrisy, and nobody should take these people seriously. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.